Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to episode number three of Boyle Chronicles. I'm Sarah. I'm Don. And um, we're going to talk to you today about um, a little bit about our faith. And if you're here listening, congratulations because nobody else has heard us yet. So um, anyway, what have we been up to lately? We've been um, cleaning some grout. Is some grout in the bathroom? Or was that caulk? There's, there's a distinction between caulk and grout. Yeah, or is that TMI? We get right into the filth in our household talking about our bathroom tile, which after 17 years is looking kind of old. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be a guest using our bathroom. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have issues. <laughs> Okay, so now that you have a really good impression of us, um, we've had a really busy week with um, Halloween and All Saints, and uh, I always think about, you know, we're in sort of a new phase in our life now. Four of our children are have no interest in um, Halloween and All Saints Day parties, so we just have two kids that we have to dress up and send out onto the streets to beg for candy. So it's a lot easier, but it's still busy because we have a Halloween costume, we have an All Saints Day costume, and um, so it's just kind of been a crazy week here. But today and tomorrow is pretty relaxing. We have, you know, it's a quiet weekend for us, so that's good. So here we are, ready to do another podcast. So one of the things we wanted to talk about tonight was that... um, I've been reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, This is the Year of Faith, which began on October... It was uh, the anniversary of the opening of Vatican II, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which was October 11th, something like that. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say October 11th. So I signed up through um, flocknote.com to get the... um, Bits, bits of the catechism in my email inbox every day for the year. And by the end of the year, if I'm a good girl, I'll have read the whole thing, which is quite a, um, quite a feat. I don't think I would ever read it otherwise. Um, and so far, it's been going pretty well. There have only been a couple of days when I've missed it, and it was pretty easy to catch up the next day. So the chunks aren't nearly as as big as you would think or as daunting. It's just enough to spend five or ten minutes uh, reading it and digesting it. Um, you can sign up for that at um, flocknote.com slash catechism if you want to receive it in your inbox every day. Um, but today's, uh, today's was about faith. Um, It was all about how, uh, what was it? It was chapters, paragraphs 166 on onward. (laughs) 166 to 171, that's all. Just five paragraphs. And, um, And about how we get our faith. And... You know, it was very interesting to read that um, we receive our faith through the action of the Holy Spirit, not through anything that anyone else says or does. And, um, you know, in one respect, that's good because um, 
it's nice to know that you can't actually force someone to convert. You have to leave that up to the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, on the receiving end, um, it's just kind of interesting to think about how you have to be open to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you um, for your faith. Um, and another aspect of that was that, um, you know, I was thinking about how we give our faith to the child to our children. Um, cap- Catholics baptize their children as infants, and um, so the children aren't able to. Uh, they're not able to consciously do anything. Usually, they're very young uh, to receive their faith. But the parents are giving them that faith, and at, since the children are so pure, they have um, they are open to the grace and the workings of the Holy Spirit to receive that faith. Um, so that's. I suppose we talked about baptism in the episode, either the last episode or the first one, a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, infant baptism. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's another another part of it. But uh, it made me think about when um, when we had small children before I became Catholic, and um, we decided to homeschool the children. And that was one of those things, I guess I had gotten that in my head because through La Leche League, which I think we also talked about before, um, I was a member of La Leche League, and there are a lot of crunchy moms, homeschooling types there. And, um, you know, I just felt that homeschooling would be really good for our kids. And it seemed like, um, so I was just saying tonight, you know, if... That was another way that the Holy Spirit was working because if I hadn't actually been teaching the children, I probably wouldn't have gotten involved in the homeschooling group that we were involved in and, you know, witnessed uh, how all these other Catholics were living their lives with their children and um, teaching them the faith. So that was that was a big um, I think that was a big part of what brought me into the church, but also how Don was cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He had his own little plan. Yes, I mean, well, I don't know if I had a plan. Um, I mean, I wanted you to be Catholic too, but I I recognized that you had to make the decision. You had to make the decision on your own, but that didn't mean I couldn't do little things to try to help you along as I, as I guess as I thought it would uh, would um, be helping you along so uh, he always said it was like water on a stone <laughs> just wearing away gradually at my resistance oh I guess I mean I don't um, I don't know I mean I don't, I don't know how long I thought it would take but uh, at some point, you said you had heard about the little flower, and, and you probably at that point knew more about her than I did, whatever you had heard from somebody or read somewhere. So I made sure I went out, and I got you a little book for, I think, put in your Easter basket, didn't I? Yeah, it was in my Easter basket. It was like a little kid's, kid's bio, or young adult's-style bio of a little flower. It wasn't very long. No, I think it was, I think it was a, ch- 
It wasn't a picture book, but it was more like a, I don't know, 6th to 8th grade level reading. reading. It was by, uh, I think it's called St. Therese of Lisieux by um, Christine Frost was the author's name. And I read that. And then there was, a, um, you know, at the end it talks about how... Um, how Therese wrote her autobiography under the um, order of her sister, who was the prioress at the time in the convent. And so I said, oh, hey, did you know she has an autobiography? That would be really interesting to read. And so I think... So your birthday was three or four months later, and so probably got to get you that for your birthday. Oh, it took that long? It seemed like it was the next day. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he he got me The Story of a Soul, which I read, and I loved reading it, and I probably didn't understand quite a bit of it. I just found it fascinating to read about um, someone so young who was so in love with the Lord and gave up everything, uh, followed her her sisters into the convent, and just was so fervent in her faith. And I'd never seen anything like that. And um, so St. Therese was a, a very powerful influence there, although I don't think I realized how great until later. And then one of the other things he brought home was... The video of Song of Bernadette. Yeah, the Song of Bernadette. And um, that, if you haven't seen that movie, that's... Who's in that movie? Um, Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones and Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Yeah, and... uh, some other character actress that is very familiar, but I can't remember who they are now. But yeah, it has a very interesting. Um, well, I don't know what you call it. The captions at the beginning of it, where it says um, something about uh, for those who believe. What does it say? No explanation is necessary. Or those who don't believe, no explanation is possible. Something. Like Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, so I thought, oh, that was interesting. And um, it was a really good movie, you know. I mean, it's a great movie on its own, whether you're Catholic or not. And it was just fascinating to watch. And um, I don't think I've ever seen anything else with Jennifer Jones. I don't think I want to <laughs> because she's St. Bernadette to me. <laughs> But then after we... Um, she was in From Here to Eternity. That was a very different role. <laughs> yeah. I think I've only seen parts of that. Uh-huh. But um, that was... Uh, that's a great movie. I, mean, I just I just love that movie. I, I watch it probably once a year with the kids. And I cry every time when Bernadette dies... I hope that's not a spoiler, because we all know she's dead, right? Because she's a saint. And um, so then Don told me that there was a book about her. You know, it was based on a book written by um, 
A Jew, right? German Jew, yeah. Yes, a German Jewish author, I think his name was Franz Werfel. Mm-hmm. I think the story was he was escaping from Germany uh, and ended up sort of stuck there in the region between the at the French-Spanish border, uh, which is where uh, Lourdes is. And, um, and that's when he learned about this story, and he was very impressed by the whole story, and he decided he wanted to write about it. So when he got... When he got, he eventually, I think, went to South America or something. Anyway, he, escaped, he was a fortunate, was able to escape Europe, and uh, that's when he wrote the book. Yeah. Because didn't he make a deal? He didn't He's, convert. He did not convert, but he wrote the book. Well, he said that if he got out of this, he'd write a book. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Right. And um, so that's, that's I read that too. I don't remember it at this point. Um, it's a long time ago. But it was another really good book. And, um, so it's just, you know, all these things were interesting that the way they, um, just sort of opened my eyes little by little to the Catholic faith and what people were willing to suffer as Catholics. Um, well, not just as Catholics, but suffer for God. Well, and I guess another aspect of all this sort of, it's just taking me back because we're talking about. 20 years ago at this point and in some ways things weren't that different but one way things were very different is that we didn't have the internet back then and um, so if you wanted to learn about these things or if you wanted to find good literature or things to read or things to watch yet it took a little more effort um, we lived in Richmond at the time and there was one Catholic store where you could go and it was called, it was generically called the religious good shop. <laughs> it's probably it's still there. Ecumenical. It's uh, within a couple blocks of the cathedral there, and uh, but that's where you could go to find religious books. I, th- I think that's where I got that short Therese biography, the movie. I guess I just got from the video store. Remember when they used to have video stores? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it just a box at the grocery a, store? No, it was a block. Or it, it didn't come in your mailbox? <laughs> right. This was a, and this was a VHS tape from Blockbuster, <laughs> I think. Um, but, yeah, so you couldn't do that, so it, was, it took a lot more. Um, so at that time, I was trying to learn more about my faith because I had just gotten confirmed. Or it depends on when we're talking. This is around the time I, I didn't get confirmed when I was a kid. For some reason, I slipped through the cracks, and uh, so I only got confirmed again when I confirmed when I was about thirty, which was nineteen ninety-two, which was after we had our second child, and um, so I was very interested in learning more about my faith, and so I would send off to the daughters of Saint Paul because they have a they used to keep I, I suppose they probably still do although there's less of a need for it now but. If you wanted to get copies of Vatican II documents or papal encyclicals, you know they would sell them in these nice but inexpensive booklet editions. Um, so I, Pauline I got a lot books of those. and medium. Yeah, so I got a lot of those, and uh, you know things like Ignatius Press started subscribing to that. You know, getting their catalog, still get some books from them. Um, well, that's interesting because now you could. Um you could use the internet and you could, you know, as my daughter says, Meg says, search up St. Bernadette. <laughs> um, just look her up on Wikipedia and, you know, find all kinds of references. Um, 
But that seems like, especially for me, that would have been too fast and overwhelming, you know, for someone yeah. who's very resistant to conversion, um, you know, doing things the old fashioned way, it was probably good. You know, it was kind of, it was just, it wasn't sort of, you know, thousands of websites on the internet. It was just, you know, a movie here, a book there. I could do what I wanted. You know, we went to, um, we joined this, uh, this homeschool group, as I mentioned, which that came about because Don had signed up to become a promoter for the Couple to Couple League. And I didn't want to become a promoter because I was still on the fence about the whole abortion issue. You know, was I would never have an abortion, but I wasn't going to tell anyone else that they couldn't. And so he signed up to become a promoter. And so we met with this other couple who was um, in training to become teachers of NFP. And, uh, and so they invited us they would invite us to activities that they were doing with their, their friends or which were other Catholic homeschoolers. And, um, you know, just these wacky people that had like six kids and, you know, it was just kind of... More denim jumpers. <laughs> more denim jumpers before we even knew about denim jumpers. And, um, you know, it was just kind of strange. But then... You know, once I decided to um, homeschool, and, you know, I agreed when, gosh, this all ties in with when we had our marriage convalidated while I was pregnant with number three, and, you know, I agreed that we would bring the children up Catholic, and I guess I interpreted that to mean, and maybe it was phrased that way, but I interpreted that to mean that I was also responsible for helping teach them the faith. And even though it wasn't my faith. And I felt, um, so since we decided to homeschool, I joined the homeschool group, the Catholic homeschooling group, and... Um, Went to all these activities, you know, went to the All Saints Day parties. And um, I will never forget the first time we went to an in-home activity, which is where all the families, um, the moms and the kids would go to someone's house and they would tell a story about a saint. And, um, and then we would do some sort of activity that was associated with that and have snacks and play. And... The story of the day, the saint of the day, was Saint Isaac Jogues. And if you don't, if you know who he was, he was a Jesuit, a Jesuit missionary, uh, sent to Canada. And um, what I, uh, all I really remember was that when he was captured by the Mohawks, and they made him run the gauntlet, and they chopped off his fingers. Although now I think. It, they chew off his fingers. <laughs> so anyway, they were telling this horrific story to these children who were, you know, my daughter was probably five. <laughs> that was my oldest. And, you know, all these other little kids there listening to these gruesome stories. And I was shocked. I'd never heard anything like this before. I had no idea such things happened. 
and and certainly would not have thought that you'd tell children about them. But there it is. That's that's the Catholic faith for you. You know, you die gloriously for for your church. And um, so that was that was my introduction to living the Catholic faith. You know, with all these large families. Well, it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then, um, see, I'm doing all the talking because this is kind of my my story here. Yeah, but you're reminding me, sort of take it back to where we started with the catechism and this religious good shop I was talking about. A couple of years after this, of course, the catechism, if I remember correctly, the catechism was officially published in 92, but that was in French. And then it took mm-hmm. took a while to get it published in English, I think there were some issues about gender-inclusive translation, and anyway, it, it went. A couple of drafts went through. It wasn't until '94 that it was available in English. Well, I, I got on the waiting list at the religious <laughs> good shop. I said I wanted a copy of that thing, and they said, "Well, you got to get on the list." So I got on the list, and so one morning I'm at my office, which is a couple of miles away downtown in Richmond, and the phone rings. Oh, boil your copy of the catechism is in. I'll be right there. And I (laughs) (laughs) left early for lunch, drove up and ran in and said, hey, my catechism's here. Where is it? I'm boiling. And they gave it to me. I paid for it. And I was like, I was like, it was like I got the iPhone 5. I was like, woo, woo. And they they looked at me like I was crazy. Who's this guy who's so excited about the catechism? So, and I actually did read it all the way through. Because that's the kind of thing I do. Yeah, well, he does read encyclopedias for bedtime reading. <laughs> so, um, you know, I hope you weren't the only person who was really excited about the catechism back then. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, I was going to all these uh, homeschooling activities and little by little, you know, meeting all these new new families, new moms. And little by little, they would find out that I wasn't Catholic. And, you know, they'd say, you're not Catholic? Well, you're a better Catholic than most Catholics I know. And, you know, which, I, because I went to Mass on Sunday and took my kids to, you know, the Catholic homeschooling group, did Catholic activities with them, I suppose that's why. <laughs> but um, they're like, but that's okay. I'll pray for you. <laughs> And I would say, that's okay. I'm fine. You don't have to pray for me. Um, I don't think they listened, though. (laughs) I think they probably prayed for me anyway. So that is a little bit of the story about how my husband was like water on a stone and all the, the influence of these other people. You know, who outside of their prayers um, didn't actively do anything to try and convert me. You know, allowed the Holy Spirit to work in me. And I have to say they were probably very uh, tolerant of my anti-Catholic viewpoints that occasionally I would express. You know, just... You know, things about baptism or Mary or whatever, little things where I said, well, I don't really believe that, you know. 
and don't bother praying for me because it's okay. But, um, so it was, you know, it was all these things. It was just there, just the way they live their lives. And, you know, Don's introducing me to things a little bit at a time, you know, and, and his growing love for the faith. It was those things that allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and in my heart. Well, on another subject, uh, Sarah had mentioned our oldest, um, may have been about five when they heard that story about St. Isaac's show. Our oldest is now 23, grown-up lady living with one of her high school girlfriends down in Buckhead, near the cathedral in Atlanta, and um, teaching at her old high school. And the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, she sent me a note on Facebook and she said she'd heard about this lecture at Emory University that she wanted to go to. Did I want to go? And I said yes. And it was kind of interesting. We went there on Monday. It was by a Professor Sessions, who is an emeritus professor of English from Georgia, no, from Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia. And he is working on the authorized biography of Flannery O'Connor and has been doing so for some years. Um, this lecture was kind of interesting just as a sort of, um, well, I don't know how you want to put it, but I had gone to a lecture that he gave about her at my daughter's high school when she was a freshman there. So that was um, about eight years ago, I guess, eight or nine years ago. He gave a lecture at that time. He had just gotten started on his biography. And it was... I, I don't remember there being a particular theme. He was just talking about her. This time, there was supposed to be a th the theme was Flannery O'Connor and Freud. Um, I don't know how much it was really about Flannery O'Connor and Freud. I mean, it was about <laughs> Flannery O'Connor. He quoted from some something from one of her notebooks where she had read from one of Freud's works, talking about death, and then he was able to talk about how she she used the theme of death in a couple of her stories. Um, he's kind of an interesting guy. I mean, he's he's got to be 75 or plus. Uh, as he'll often say in these lectures, um, he knew her. Now, she's been dead 48 years, so he was a very young man. I think he was a young uh, professor. I think he just got started. At the, and it was the end, happened to be the end of her life. She died, if you don't know, she died before she was 40 of lupus. Um, so anyway, so... He, for, um, I guess because of his family connection, has got the opportunity to write the authorized biography of her. Uh, I don't know what the status of that is. He didn't really, he didn't really come out and say the other night in the lecture uh, about publication date for it. Um, but uh, I know she is a, uh, she, is, she, she was a faithful Catholic and... Um, certainly a lot of her stories have Catholic themes, although I don't think you, uh, I think you can enjoy the stories without knowing that. I think a lot of people do enjoy the stories without knowing that. Did she write, she wrote novels and short stories? Yes, but she's mostly known for the short stories. I mean, I think her second novel wasn't published in her lifetime. I think that's right. Um, and certainly the novels weren't as successful as the short stories were. And she wrote a lot of, and she also wrote a certain number of book reviews and things. Um, um, 
So anyway, so that was that was kind of fun. Um, they have a for those of you who don't live in Atlanta or don't know Emory very well, Emory has got a Catholic uh, center, if you will, sort of a study. I don't know what you want to call it, kind of a um, Catholic study center, I guess. Um, it's called the Aquinas Center, St. Thomas Aquinas Center, and uh, they will bring in speakers um, of of pretty high renown, actually. Several times a year, they've had, for example, Cardinal Casper was there a couple of years ago, and Marianne Glendon was there, former ambassador to the Vatican, Harvard Law professor. Um, so, anyway, so it was fun. It was fun to do that. That's not something we get out to do very much. So, and it was nice to get out with my grown-up oldest girl. So, well, I haven't read any Flannery O'Connor, um, though I've been. You know, it's been on my list of things to do. So if you're going to read one, like, which one is your favorite and which one would you say is the best Catholic short story? Oh, my goodness. Is that a hard question? You're put, well, you're putting me on the spot because I haven't read any of the stories in a long time. Well, I mean, the one <laughs> the one that's in the, all the anthologies is called A Good Man is Hard to Find. And that's... Uh, yeah, you know, and it probably belongs in all the anthologies. I mean, it's got it's it's extremely dramatic and extremely violent. Um, I think you can you can enjoy it without recognizing Catholic themes. I think I think once you're clued into who she is, and then you read it, uh, there's there's a lot of food for thought in that story and a lot of her other stories as well. Um, I mean, generally, she's not writing about Catholic characters. I mean, I remember there's one story, I'm looking on my bookshelves here, well, I won't bother trying to pull something off the bookshelf, but I know there's one story where there are a couple of girls who go to a Catholic school and they're, they're singing, um, they're singing O Salutari or something like that. Angelingua? Um, no, I was that's what I started to say, but I don't think that's right. But anyway, um, but generally you're dealing with Protestant characters or, char or characters with no particular religious faith at all. Um, yeah, so, there. Alright, well, I'm going to put that on my list of books to read um, as soon as I finish my book for book club. Reading um, a very non-Catholic book right now for book club. Um, I go to a Book club, this is our dog Gus in the background that you hear. He's here being restless and wanting his daddy to pet him <laughs> um, and wanting nothing to do with me. But um, I go to a book club about once a month with um, quite a few of my girlfriends, and it's a great chance to um, just be with the girls and talk about the books, and that's like 5% of what we do. <laughs> We keep coming back to the book and then straying off down a rabbit trail to something else. And um, so anyway, our book for this month is The Life and Times of the Thunderbolt Kid by Bill Bryson. I keep getting the title wrong. It's either a lightning bolt or a thunderbolt. But it's... Um, he's a very interesting writer. He likes to write lists of things. It's like he reads encyclopedias and you know, practically writes an encyclopedia. In all the books I've ever read, you know, they're a combination of, um... <laughs> okay, he's really getting hyper now. Uh, they're a combination of, um, 
like I said, lists, facts, statistics, interspersed with um, really laugh-out-loud funny stories. And um, so I'm not sure he's my favorite author, but there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of humor in this book, and it's about growing up in the 50s, so, you know, a little bit of it I can relate to, although I wasn't alive in the 50s. Um, not everything had changed by the time I was little. So that's what I'm reading this month, and um, maybe next month I'll have read A Good Man is Hard to Find, and we can talk about that. Okay. Sounds good. So, anyway... Thanks for dropping by. Gus is saying goodbye. Um, it's been fun talking to you, and we'll be back next time with right. another episode. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.